Blog Talk Radio. Chatting with Nat is a podcast for independent women seeking to speak their truth and to break down barriers. We host honest conversations that help to guide and empower women. Speak your truth and set yourself free. Let your voice be heard. Hi, everyone. This is Natalie Jean to Natalie Jean. And today we have on Chatting with Nat, singer, songwriter, and fire performer Megan Morrison. Megan Morrison is a Miami-based American singer, songwriter, and fire performer. If Lana Del Rey, Matt Bellamy, Muse, and Sebastian Bach from Skid Row had a love child, the product would be Megan's voice. Her style of singing ranges from sultry, sweet, to in-your-face battle cries, and the songs she writes have a purpose. As a spokesperson in the recovery community, Megan has redirected a lot of her emotions and life experiences into her songwriting. Her hope is to raise awareness around mental health and addiction by sharing her story and delivering an encouraging message through her music. Megan began her music career at a very young age while growing up in in Maine and Massachusetts. She studied classical voice performance at the University of Massachusetts, Amherst, and Hunter College in NYC, which led her to pursue, pursue a Broadway musical theater career. It wasn't until she started singing in rock punk bands on the side that Megan discovered her true passion. She has focused her career on rock music as well as diving into the electronic world. Megan has been widely recognized for her skills as a singer-songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, fire performer, and model. Her fire skills led her to guest appearances in music videos by Pitbull, Elvis Crespo, Fuego, and on stage with pop singer Jessie J. Let's give her a round of applause. Hi, Megan. How are you? Hi, Natalie. Good. How are you? Well, you know, after the world we have, I'm still alive and kicking. I'm tired, but I'm still alive and kicking. Yep. Yep. I'm right there with you. Oh, my gosh. So let's see, how do I start this? Because a lot of things have happened in the past three years. So how have you been since, you know, Tsunami, Cicadas, Roe versus Wade, Tyree Nichols, um, George Floyd, the elections, pandemic, COVID had some babies, polio, I think measles tried to make a comeback. I mean, there are so many things that have happened. Mass shootings. Let me not forget about that because that's a daily occurrence. Um, all these things that have happened in the world, how have you been dealing with all of these things? You know, I'm just taking it day by day, and nothing shocks me anymore. Um, I'm just hoping that the the majority of the people in the world can come together and do what we yeah. can to to make it a, a better livable Oof. place that is going to be here for mm-hmm. our children and, and their children's children and, and so on. Amen. I hear that. And I agree <laughs> with you. It's just been so crazy. So we know, so there's a question that I like to ask all of the people that are on my podcast. So let me give you this scenario. Now we know that the past three years have been cray cray. 
a lot of people have lost a lot of loved ones. Um, the pandemic was something we did, you know, it's something that you would think that would happen in the 1940s, hell, the 1800s. You would never think that something um, like that would happen now with all the technology that we have out there. Um, and so there's been a lot of loss and there's been a lot of cons, but during this, all of this time, there have been some pros. Now, what the pandemic did, it has forced people to live together. Then, you know, sometimes you're in a house, you live with people, you hardly see them or you chat, blah, blah, blah. But now you really needed to get to know these people all over again. You know, I saw family members walking together, which shouldn't be odd, but, you know, this is a fast-paced world. And I think sometimes people just don't take the time to do those things. I've had colleagues tell me that they um, scaled back on work hours because they realized they weren't uh, spending enough time with their family members. You have climate change. You know, when we were not in the streets, pollution level went down. So the animals and Mother Nature were pretty much happy, hoping that we wouldn't come back. But guess what? We came back. Um, a lot of articles about people quitting their jobs. Because what it did is that it allowed people to have a lot of self-reflection about, you know, what they wanted to do with their lives. Um, because the pandemic basically said, okay, your life is short. We already knew that, but it really wanted to let you know that. So it's telling you, you better go do the thing that you want to do now. Uh, be happy. So we know that we need food to eat, clothes on our back, and a roof over our heads. So people decided to focus more on something that was more in line with their dreams, their mission in life. And then you had artists like you and I that released uh, albums, EPs, singles, tracks. Some people decide that, nope, music is not for me. Um, so what I'm trying to get at is, um, did you self-reflect at all during this downtime, so to speak, um, in regards to who you are as a person and who you are as an artist? Did anything change? Did you decide uh, to stay the same? What did you think about? Well, wow, that's a, that's a, how long do we have? Only an hour? Um, <laughs> honestly, I, I'll start by saying I, I was extremely blessed um, that COVID did not affect anyone um, in my family. Um, everyone stayed healthy. I got it myself, but I got over it. Um, and, I, you know, it did affect me seeing my mom, who doesn't live in mm. the same, same state as me. Um, so that was hard, um, you know, I halted travel for a few years, but I was really blessed to have it not affect anyone. And my heart goes out to, to everyone that, that it did affect and people that were lost. Um, I know, I know people that did lose people because of COVID, but all that being said, as horrible as it was, um, the world kind of stopping was the true blessing for me. Um, I was when COVID hit and I was bartending in electronic music club, which was awesome and has given me, um, helped me make a lot of connections that I am now using to um, make music with these DJs that came through. So it was a wonderful experience, a wonderful nightclub owned by a really talented DJ Beirut and his wife, Megan. Um, okay. So Nothing against the club, but while I was working there, I knew that this, that, that bartending nightlife, that was all done for me, especially since I am uh, in recovery and have been sober now for um, over seven years. So for me, it was just weighing heavy on me, but it was something that I had done for so many years, being a musician and an artist, 
to, you know, to have a nine to five job is kind of tricky. So bartending allowed me to, you know, work on my art and my music during the day and then make my money at night. Um, But I knew that that was not that, you know, I knew that it couldn't go on that much longer. And when COVID hit, it shut everything down. And I was really forced to take a look at, you know, what am I doing with the rest of my life? Um, And in those first few weeks where everything was just kind of halted, I decided that I I couldn't go back. And um, I have an amazing supportive husband who said, don't do it. Yeah, this is your time. Like, do do your music. Do your passion. Right. I'll do what I need to for us. So in that time, um, I started working on some new music. And I also started a, a design business that I now run part-time during the day, which is something that I won't even get into um, besides <laughs> the music and the fire I do run a wedding design business um, oh, where cool. I um, I do florals for weddings and rentals. Um, oh. So that downtime kind of gave me, it was kind of an experiment and I, I didn't know if it was going to take off or not. And it kind of did. Right. So that's a whole, a whole story for, for another interview. But so in that time I started, um, you know, the first few months or first month or so, you know, we everyone stayed at home and I didn't do right. much, but I was really itching to create new music. So um, before COVID hit, I was playing, um, with, um, my band. I had awesome band, uh, guitar player, Tony Alarcone, my drummer, um, Sean Bowse and my, um, bass player, Ian Beckford. And we were gigging around Miami. Um, and I was kind of trying out new songs and we had recorded some stuff, um, but nothing was finished. And, so when COVID hit, I had all this downtime, and um, I went into the studio with my guitar player um, and co-writer, and we really took the next few months um, to craft these songs um, that okay. ended up being on my album, Appetite for Freedom. Um, so it was in a, in a tiny studio, home studio, myself, my guitar player, Tony, and my sound engineer and producer, Shane Stoner, um, these guys became like family to me and we spent days, months, we spent so much time together in the studio during COVID, um, like really crafting these songs. Um, mm. and that time was, that time was so important to me. Right. So on, uh, to get back to your question, COVID was, uh, that downtime was a huge blessing, not only to work on my music, but I did take a look at what is important in my life. And music was one of those things and, you know, appreciating the little things because we don't know right. what tomorrow is going to bring. Like you said, tsunamis, mass shootings, like, you know, <laughs> I hope I'm going to be here for a long time, but I don't know if I am. And if I'm not like, what do I want to do today? And so I, I really pushed on, on getting this album finished and getting it out there. Now, how did you get into the music business? Um, did you come out of the womb and you were like, yeah, I'm out here. You know, music is going to be in my life, or was it something that you heard or saw later in life that this made you get into the music business? Um, well, the music business, I'm, I'm still not a, a music business woman, that, <laughs> but, but as far as music, I, I pretty much came out of the womb. Um, my 
mom said she used to hear me like harmonizing with the vacuum cleaner or hair dryer mm. like before I could speak. Um, and I sang my first solo in church when I was, I think, three or five, around between that age. They let me sing Take Me Out to the Ball Game in church. Okay. Um, <laughs> Uh, no. My mom was the organist at our church up in Maine, a very small town. Um, my mom is, was a musician. Um, her dad was a self-taught musician and composer. Um, so music really kind of runs in my family. I have a, a okay. lot of cousins and aunts and uncles um, that were musicians as well. Um, so I would say it started at an early age. I didn't know, like, I would want to do it professionally. But I was always very much into putting on shows. Like I had costumes and I would put on these shows for my mom, um, like just being different characters and singing these songs that I had made up. So pretty much from a young age, I knew. Um, and then as I got older, I sang in choirs. I played in bands. I went through a bunch of different instruments and then stuck with saxophone for a few years, but decided that singing was more what I liked the most. So I sang in choirs all through high school. So I mm. wasn't like a, a theater nerd or anything. It wasn't until my senior year that I auditioned and got a small part in um, the whiz that we did. And, cool. and I really fell in love with, I, I had done theater when I was younger. I was in Fiddler on the Roof. My mom and I were mm. in Fiddler on the Roof together. Uh, she was a townsperson and they let me audition for one of the roles of the daughters, but I was way too awesome. young. Uh, it was nice that they let me audition. So I ended up being like, that was my first theater show. And I was maybe five or six, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, when I was a senior in high school, that's when I really decided that music and theater are something I really wanted to pursue. So I auditioned at some schools kind of last minute. I didn't really like have a life plan or anything. This was not, you know, I just kind of <laughs> just decided my senior year that I wanted to do music. And I got into the University of Massachusetts as a, a vocal voice uh, performance major. Um, and then from there started doing theater, more theater. I was Cinderella in the town's production of Cinderella and started doing that. So, um, that's kind of, yeah, it kind of took off from there. Awesome. Now let's talk about your latest album, Appetite for Freedom. What was the inspiration uh, behind the title? And what are, what is, obviously it's about freedom, but what is the theme? What are, what is how did you put everything together? How did you decide what songs were going to go where and how you wanted to go about doing the songs? So Appetite for Freedom is kind of, is my personal story of redemption and rebirth. Um, okay. I, I started writing these songs after a long battle with addiction um, and depression and anxiety mm. and um when I got sober uh, seven and a half years ago, it was just um, the feeling that I experienced and the person I became, I was so grateful for it that I didn't right. want to keep it to myself. Um, I was, when I was first getting sober, I was so grateful for anyone that was speaking openly about their recovery because it helped me so much. Um, it right. was a time in my life where I felt very alienated. So to hear prominent mm people talk about it openly made me feel not so alone. So like I knew that 
Trent Reznor, who is one of my musical heroes. I knew that he was in recovery. I knew that mm. Eminem was in recovery, that right. Elton John was in recovery. Um, and that really helped me in the beginning. And, and you know, I, I decided early on that I wanted to be really open about this. The, you know, to have my first solo album be about my whole recovery experience, was that the original plan? No, but that's kind of just what happened uh, naturally. Right. Um, so I I started writing these songs, and, and they just kind of fit together. Um, I, I had a lot of the lyrics and melodies kind of written. Um, okay. And then when I got together with my band, I teamed up with my guitar player and co-writer, Tony Alarcon, who has become like a family member to me. And, and he helped me kind of um, get the guts of the song. Mm-hmm. and put everything together he's an amazing guitarist uh amazing musician and was really grateful for him because he really helped me fine-tune these songs right. um, and he happens to be a therapist in an addiction treatment center so that just kind of is weird how our paths like that was not our <laughs> he's like a real rock and roll guy from miami like hasn't always been in in related with treatment and recovery so it's, it was just kind of weird timing that our paths kind of collided like um and I kind of met him randomly someone introduced me to him or told me that I should go contact him because um he you know might be looking for a new music project so anyways it was just weird how it all came, came together um so once we started fine-tuning the songs and they were kind of ready um I it was pretty clear to me for the most part the songs, the order that they were going to go in. Um, I know people aren't really like, I mean, people are releasing albums and um, I call this an album at six songs, but it tells a story from beginning to end. So that makes up, uh, that's what an album is to me. Um, And I, I start off the album with this um, song called Introitus. Okay. New Hope. And, um, for me, I started my musical journey really singing classical music, um, and that's what I'm trained in. So I really wanted to compose a classical piece to kind of start off the musical journey of my album. Um, so I decided to write a requiem, um, which is like a mass for the dead. And so okay. I um, did a, a choir of my voices. It's like a hundred different takes of my voice. So the whole choir is me. Um, oh. And... Uh, a requiem is traditionally sung, uh, like for the repose of the souls of the dead and and at funerals. So this is kind of like my my song to my old self. I don't know if that sounds cheesy, but they, you know, my my old self before I got sober, I was I was really kind of um, just confused, consumed with anxiety, uh, a mm. lot of worry, a lot of fear, and once I laid her to rest. You know that this this song is kind of giving her eternal rest. Um, she's still a part of me, but uh, I am a new person now. So it starts off kind of dark, um, and that's kind of me. I have I love dark. I love everything in a minor key. Um, I love right. that's just kind of I don't know. I'm I'm a very happy, friendly person, but I, I have definitely a dark dark side to me, um, and that's a big part of who I am. Um, I love it, and so. So I started with that, and then after that, burst into the title track, Appetite for Freedom, which is this, like, killer rock and roll song that, um, you know, um, I kind of 
my, my guitar player, Tony, helped me a lot on that one because the, the track was there, but then uh, he helped push my vocals to the next level. And if you hear me, I, I get up pretty high on that song, and it wasn't originally. I didn't originally write it like that. So I'm grateful for, for all that time we had in the studio, all that downtime we had to really perfect these songs. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they just, they just grew from what they originally were. Um, so, yeah, so it goes into um, For Freedom, then, you know, the songs – in the middle you have um you have a uh, good company which is a song i wrote about um my alcohol addiction good company is um i am talking about alcohol there um that was my my best friend and companion for many years um so okay. i i wrote a song about it and and how uh, i overcame it the lyrics are kind of back and forth between me and my addiction and then me getting out of it uh, Nine Lives is the song that I wrote that I actually released as a single uh, okay. before the album, and then we revamped it and added some guitars, and I re-released it uh, as a different as a as a new track on the album. Nine Lives is I kind of talk about not not just because I love cats uh, and I do, <laughs> but Nine Lives is because I feel like I've lived so many lives in one, and I, the song kind of talks about how if this if I'm on my last life right now I'm I'm okay with that because I finally feel at peace with myself and right. and the people around me um I finally made peace with who I am I can finally you know close my eyes and sleep at night and and right. not think terrible thoughts and and so you know I'm good if if I go to bed tonight and don't wake up in the morning I'm I'm okay with that obviously I'm not I don't want to die tomorrow but you get what I'm saying yeah no um, I get and then <laughs> And then I, you have Devil Said Rome, which is like my country western song, which was the first music video that I released off the album. And um, that one's more like a storytelling kind of song. Um, and, it, and I do throw in some references there about uh, my alcohol abuse as well, just kind of um, there are different ways that you can interpret the song, so I leave it up, up to the interpreter, but it is a, a storytelling song, and if you haven't seen the video, to anyone listening, I encourage you to watch the video, because uh, we can talk about that later, but that, that's a big part of the song. And then, to sum everything up, Fill Me Up is the last track that I wrote and and completed, and the last track on the album. I knew I wanted to take people on a journey and leave people with an uplifting song at the end and fill me up turned into this uplifting celebratory gospel anthem um because i have always loved gospel music my mom played a lot of gospel music for me and we used to jam out to kirk franklin and car rides and and um i grew up listening to a lot of soul music a lot of stevie wonder and stuff i knew i just wanted something really uplifting and gospel sounding um and i didn't want to leave listeners feeling heavy um so fill me up is just kind of a song um it says drain the cup fill me up which for for drain the cup meaning you know empty out whatever is holding you back weighing you down Mm -hmm. for me it was alcohol and anxiety and depression for you it can be you know fill in the blank for whatever is has been, you know, taking up space in your cup that you don't want there. And then fill me up, meaning like fill me up with life. Um, and that's how the album ends, just kind of, um, you know, telling people to 
to set themselves free and, and, you know, do what makes them happy. Right. All right. Well. So, yeah, that's the album in a nutshell. <laughs> I got it. Sounds very interesting. And I love the fact that you're, you know, when you write about yourself, you write about the things that go on in your life. You're actually helping somebody else because you just don't know what any anyone else needs. And, you know, sometimes they may say, oh, my God, I need to listen to Megan Morrison right now because she, she gets me. And it, it gets me through my day. So thank you for all of that. Now we're going to play Appetite for Freedom. Here we go. Awesome. Hungry like the wolf. Appetite for blood. Rushing through my veins. Came up from the ground. A resurrection. Free of my remains The feeling tantalizing It's hypnotizing Won't live any other way Devoted to another Asking cats and lovers My pleasure caused the
audio jungle. It also gave me a kind of like a Queen's um, Freddie Mercury vibe. Oh, thank you. Huge compliment. He's a huge idol of mine. I, I absolutely I love Freddie Mercury, and I learned more about him by watching the um, his autobiography, and I was like on a plane crying. Ball- when I say bawling, I was in hysterics yeah. on the plane. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I wish I could have met him. Oh, just fantastic phenomenal he was Um, an incredible human it's funny you mentioned that my husband actually has always compared me to freddie mercury and i never really noticed the um similarities until he pointed it out and i was like you know you're i guess you're kind of right him i think i'm also very inspired by the band muse because matt bellamy has that same kind of like operatic very high voice so both both those two guys really inspire me Awesome, and they're they're. I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, the song just sounds like it, and you have great you have a great great voice. Um, how important? You're welcome. How important is it for you to be be an authentic person and an authentic artist? I try to be as authentic as I can as an artist and just as a human being. Um, I always appreciate. Um, authenticity in other people as well. Mm. Um, I try to be as transparent as possible. Um, So it is very important. Um, And that is why I'm so open about my struggles and Mm. my recovery because I'm not trying to hide anything. And that's such a big of big part of how why my music sounds the way it does. I can't put on a front like that's not part of me. And and if anything that I've gone through can help someone else, that's really what I'm, you know, what I'm trying to, to do is just make this world a better place with my music and also doing music because it makes me truly happy. Um, right. But, yeah, so it's it's very important. Awesome. Now, what do you love most about being an artist? Oh, that's a hard one. Um, I mean... I just love that that I get an outlet. I, I can use my music to express myself in ways that I wouldn't be able to um, otherwise, I guess. Um, okay. I definitely, I'm definitely a unique person, I guess I would say. And mm-hmm. I, I've never pictured myself at a, a nine to five job and not that there's anything wrong with that. But I feel like I'm I'm always creating, like um, just like with the design business. That wasn't a plan right. of mine, but I just started creating stuff, and it kind of turned into a business. So um, for me to be able to express myself through any creative outlet is is kind of how I thrive, um, I guess. Does that I answer love- your question? No, it did answer my question. Now that you've you know you've battled. Um, your sobriety, I mean, you're battled against, I don't like to call them demons, against, you know, alcoholism and stuff like that, and you're oh, sober. There, there are some demons there, for sure. <laughs> um, so how do you deal now, if you get anxious or you have depression, how do you deal with it now? Well, um, I learned a lot of tools um, going through treatment and um, just kind of taking things in from other people in recovery, you kind of learn, learn these, these tools. And 
I really turned to um, meditation and breathing and mindfulness is big on there. Um, just kind of being present in the moment uh, and aware of my surroundings and my emotions. Um, deep breathing, uh, just overall, like taking care of myself. You know, sometimes there are days where it just feels like I'm not feeling motivated and there, there are those days. And right. when I have those days, I just have to be kind to myself and say, okay, you know, today's not your day, but it's not like tomorrow's a new day and it's okay. So just like binge Netflix today and then be productive tomorrow, but it's okay that you don't feel good. And I used to be really hard on myself. Like, you know, I'm not being productive or why am I feeling this way? And so to really like be patient with myself and take time, and to nurture myself, like make sure I've eaten enough, make sure I've drank enough water in the day. And right. you know, sometimes it's just that. Like sometimes I'll feel horrible and then I'll drink some water and have a snack. And I'm like, oh, I have energy now. Like, you know, it can be really, really simple things. Um, so, yeah, I would say my, mindfulness, um, yoga, that, that was also um, yoga and stretching. That's helped me a lot. Just, mm. uh, I when I got sober, I really realized how connected the mind and the body are. And so if I'm not taking care of my body, my mind is not going to feel right. Um, so yeah. that has been, that has been a huge part of, of my recovery is, you know, just to make sure I'm taking care of myself. And awesome. I, I highly recommend it for everyone else, even if you're not in, in recovery or, or struggling and, that's too what I meant to say about my music. This album is not just for people in recovery. It's for, right. you know, everyone that is struggling with uh, any kind of um, um, substance abuse or overeating or uh, anxiety, depression, you know, fear, you know, things that we all deal with on a daily basis. It's just for, for that, um, for, for anyone, really. That's awesome. I, yeah, I, I, I think. Also, I, go ahead. I'm, I'm sorry, I forgot to I forgot to mention too that uh, "Appetite for Freedom," the song that you play, we were just awarded as a finalist in the USA Songwriting Competition. So that was really cool to to have one of my songs be be uh, noticed for the first time. Um, that was big. It was just a few weeks ago that we found that out. Awesome! Congratulations to you. Thank you. Uh, so your music video, uh, Devil Said Rome, has received uh, numerous awards. What awards did the video receive? So I entered in a, a bunch of film festivals. And most recently, uh, we won uh, Best Action in the California Music Video and Film Awards, um, the Miami Golden Shorts awarded us Best Music mm-hmm. Video. Um, we were recognized at um, the London Movie Awards, at um, uh, the Vegas Movie Awards, mm-hmm. um, uh, Texas Short Film Festival. We were a finalist. We won Best vi- Music Video in the Toronto Women's Film Festival, which was really oh. cool. Uh, that was a huge deal for me. Um, uh, we won a bronze medal in the Global Music Awards. Cool. Okay. Um, there, there are more that I'm the Oneros Awards in in mm. New York. We were a finalist in um, at, uh, Giraffe Film Festival in Nice, France. We were recognized in. Um, 
yeah, it was really cool. Like a lot of places around the world. So there are still some that we are we are chosen for, but I'm I'm not sure yet if we're we're going to be awarded or anything. So we'll we'll see what happens. That's awesome. I know. Yeah, I know. I know. Really I know about most of those because I've entered some of those and been a finalist and won some of those awards. So I'm aware. Awesome. So congratulations on that as well. Now, Thank you. And congrats to you as well. I know you are quite an accomplished uh, singer-songwriter yourself. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, How did you get into fire performing? Fire performing started for me when I first started dating my husband. He mm. had started doing it himself. Um, he oh, had really? friends that were performing. And so he probably had been doing it for about a year when him and I met in New York City. And it was one of those things that when I saw it the first time, I knew I had to learn how to do it. So he... He really got me started and, and taught me my first moves. And, and then from there, uh, the School of YouTube really uh, educated me. And then once I grew uh, and was performing in the community, I, I just kind of learned more from the performers around me as well. Um, but it started with him, and then we ended up going to a music festival in Honduras Okay. Um, on this beautiful island and it was really big down there and there were a lot of performers and that was actually the very first time I did it was on this deserted island in Honduras at this music festival and looking back on it that video of me I would never share with anyone because it was not not a video I would be proud of now but that was my first yeah. time and I was really excited and from that point on I was hooked um, so Wow. So, yeah, I, I owe that to my husband. And then um, I was still modeling at the time when um, when we moved to Miami. And so my modeling agency found out that I did that, which not many people now, now more people are doing it. But right. about 10 years ago, not that many people were. So that's how I was getting booked in like a Pitbull music video and mm. got to be on stage with Jesse J, like you mentioned. Right. Um, so that's kind of how all that happened. And now I'm, I'm a regular performer here in Miami and it's how I make most of my income because unfortunately music, music doesn't pay that much. <laughs> not yet. No, it doesn't. Not yet. Anyway, amen to the, ooh, Lord. I, I know. I, I, feel, I feel the pain there. Um, my last question is, what are three things you wish you had known before you got into the music business? Um, you're not going to make any money. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> three things I wish I had known. Well, yeah, that, that would be a big one because when I first started, artists were making a lot of money and you were, you know you were getting paid because you were selling CDs and there was no streaming or anything like that. So had I known that the future of music was going to be this streaming thing where you would get paid fractions of a, of a cent for streams, I don't know if I would have, I mean, for me, music is music was just, I I was born with music in me. So whether or not I knew that I wasn't going to be, rich and fame well who knows i i don't know what the future brings but i wasn't going to make that kind of money from music i think i would still be doing it because it just makes me happy um but besides that um i don't know i i would say you know when i first started out and, and moved to new york 
um, I was not naive, but I, I, well, maybe I was naive, but I just didn't know how many people would try to kind of take advantage of me. Um, I, I was in, you know, there were a lot of like men in New York who, you know, I would say maybe I could be making a lot of money doing music now had I, you know, done certain things or gone along with certain things that, um, you know, these men in the industry told me that I should do. Right. Um, and I didn't. And I ch- chose to make my own path. Um, but I, I wasn't quite prepared for the sliminess that I would encounter along mm-hmm. the way. Um, and it, it, it built character and it made me a stronger person. But that was, that was really disappointing to me. I think, like, moving to New York City as, like, a young 21-year-old, starry-eyed, musician with so many dreams and then just to have these like really gross encounters like was really kind of like disheartening I think so I wasn't quite prepared for that um a third thing I don't know I can't I can't really think of anything off the top of my head I might have to I might have to think on that for a minute I mean I mean a lot of people will say that they didn't realize how much work it takes. It's a lot of hard work. It's different for uh, people that are making music now because now you have to see if you're into that, um, if the songs or whatever you're writing will appeal to people on all these social media platforms. It's not like back in the day, you just did a record, you put it, you sent it to the radio station. That was it. Now you have too many where you have to, uh, try to see if it fits, if it goes viral, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's way more work. Way more work. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, a really, that's a really good point, yeah. Um, TikTok is a place where they're telling you you have to do at least five videos a day, and it's just like, um, it's like, uh, five videos? What am I yeah. supposed to say? I tried it. I mean, I, I, I was able to do it for but it's just it's it's too much. You just don't want to go there on there and fake it <laughs> just to have some something to say. I like to go on there when right. I have some news and stuff of it. And for me, what's been popular on my TikTok is I talk about things that go on in the world. That's more popular than my music. Like people like my music, but they're just like, oh my god, this person is authentic. She has things to say. It's it's it has been crazy to be honest with you. I'm just baffled. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I was not prepared for the whole social media, like becoming basically my full time job because um, it, it really is overwhelming. Sometimes I think that is that is my biggest that that's the hardest thing for me being in this industry is just constantly having to be on social media and have a presence there. Because honestly, like if my music didn't depend on it, I would quit all social media accounts tomorrow. Um, and there was a time where I, I was that person on Instagram every day and, you know, whether I had to fake it or not, I was definitely faking it on there for a little while. And my, I, my likes were up. I had a lot more views on stuff. Um, that was before the algorithm, everything changed as well on Instagram, but, but I, I was that person for a little while and I tried. And then I just, in recent years, I've just. I, I don't post unless I have something to say, you know, I'm always posting like right. my performance, especially my fire stuff. Um, Cause that's something that's ongoing. Um, but I'm, I'm not just 
posting to post anymore. Like I, I can't do it every day. I can't keep up with that because it's just making me miserable. Um, so, so yeah, that would say, I, I would say that would be the third thing for sure. I'll, I'll piggyback off that, that I, I would not have been prepared for that. And I don't know if I would want, would have wanted to take that on myself had I known. Amen. Well, Megan, thank you so much for being on chatting with Nat. I mean, you have an amazing voice. I love your style. Thank you. You're an thank awesome you. person. I know you will go far with your music, um, and it's amazing. I love the fact that you're a fire performer. That's just awesome. Um, you're oh, doing thank well. You. You're doing well with your sobriety. I mean, it's just it's fantastic. It's phenomenal, and I'm sure more important, more and more people will be listening to your music, and they will love your authenticity, and they're going to listen to you because they need so they you know what the world needs hope, and I think what you give uh, people is hope. That's what I'm trying to do. So thank you so much. That means so much to me. You're welcome. All right, everybody. That was Megan Morrison. If you want to find her, she has a website. Yes, a website called MorrisonMusicOfficial.com. She's on Facebook, Megan Morrison Music, Instagram, Megan Morrison Music, TikTok, Megan Morrison Music. And if you don't remember that, guess what? You can just Google her. And guess what? You can actually purchase music instead of streaming. You can stream too. But purchasing music is such a beautiful thing. And it also helps the artist chart as well. Isn't that a beautiful thing? There are ways to help us and besides um, just streaming the music, which is, you know, that half a cent thing is not going to pay for our mortgage. Um, so do your best to support independent artists. Thank you so much, Megan, for being on Chatting with Nat. Thank you. Until next time. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Chatting with Nat is a podcast for independent women seeking to speak their truth and to break down barriers. We host honest conversations that help to guide and empower women. Speak your truth and set yourself free. Let your voice be heard. Love your voice.